Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And back on, the, well, is this not, I was going to say Monday. This is a rare occasion where we're not out on a Monday morning. Phil, hello. Hello, Tim. And hello, JB. Hello, Tim. Uh, it is Bank Holiday Monday currently. So I, I, I only realised today there will be listeners in Scotland who would have been doing their commute to work today without a podcast. They can listen to the thistle. <laughs> Good lads on the thistle. Yeah, they've got their own podcast there. Well, they, but what about people in Scotland that love hearing our podcast? Anyway, if you were commuting to work today, apologies. We, you know we pride ourselves on a Monday morning. However... There was more rugby to watch today, so we, we, we waited. And also, we wanted to go out and have a few Negronis last night, which we did. We, we absolutely did. And some whiskey sours. Yep. And, and some man. Yep. A fine array of cocktails. Yes. It really was a real whiskey journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, I mean, the drinks weren't the only sour part because it finished in slightly sour fashion when we were turned away from a pub. Gang fight, hey? Who'd have thought yeah. us getting, getting into a fight? <laughs> <laughs> right, on this podcast, we're going to be talking about all the rugby that we've seen this weekend and uh, a few other stories besides. And actually, let me start with a, a, a story. Well, I don't really know how this one's going to finish, but basically Japan have pulled out of the eight-team tournament that's been touted for the end of the year. Ooh. Very quickly, then it was going to be... I can't remember. There was going to be a, a Georgia, Georgia. were, were rumoured. And now people are talking about South Africa having a team in it. Who knows? I mean, it's all thrown together rather hastily anyway, isn't it? So I, do, I, have, I have no idea. I have no interest in it. I don't know why. It's just, it just isn't really... I mean, it's not going to be an international with fans. I think internationals are occasions and events as much as they are just a game of sports. Um, I get the, you know, the sporting fix, if you like, from the Premiership. I love the internationals for the actual occasion. Uh, you're going to have Wales playing in England still, I believe, if that's still, still a thing. And I just I find it unnecessary. I find the whole eight nations thing unnecessary. You either can have the tours or you can't have the tours. But to couple of get together, there's Six Nations lights. Well, it's not even Six Nations light. It's bigger than the Six Nations. But like this, this thing, this monstrosity, the Frank, a Frankenstein tournament, not interested. Um, I, I've said it before. I, I'll be interested in watching any international game. 
and it is all about the revenue, as in getting TV money. But you, it, it will it will be a Frankenstein of a tournament because if, for example, Japan or Georgia or South Africa do come into it, you're going to have um, players who haven't played rugby for well, um, at least five months, um, maybe more than that, six, seven, eight months going into that tournament, which it could just be chaos. Like the, the first weekend of Premiership action, uh, and indeed the first weekend of um, Super Rugby Aotearoa were not particularly good weekends, partly down to the refing, partly because the players have not played for so long. So if you throw in teams who've not played, it might not be the best to watch, but I'll still watch it. Yeah. I mean, but there's, there's enough South African players in France and, and England that you could probably cobble together a, a decent South African 15 from, <laughs> from people that are around, couldn't you? Still be pretty well, decent. <laughs> Put, put together random 15s. Can we get a Zimbabwe 15? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, why not? Makes sense to me. I mean, we'd have to fly a few lads in and whatnot. Um, and South African Premiership 15 would be brutal. Yeah, you could get a very handy Premiership team. Particularly the, the, then if you threw the, the French lads in as well. Yeah, so the pack would be fine, just Premiership-wise. I call them a South African outside back, so. You can have a sale team out to 12. You just need 13, 14, 15, and 11. Oh, there's, there's a couple of Leicester lads, isn't there? Jacko Taute. Yeah, Esther Hazen yeah. is at Quinns now. Yeah, so yeah. The, there are ways to do this. <laughs> there you go. Who's the other winger? We just need one more winger and a fullback, and you're there. Pick Iron Do from, uh, Iron from Do. Edinburgh. No, oh, he's yeah. Scottish. He's Scottish, Phil. What are you talking <laughs> about? Duan van der Merwe grew up dreaming of playing for Scotland. Exactly. <laughs> well, Byron could play as well, couldn't he? Yeah. Byron, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Byron and I do. That'll do. <laughs> Done. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got contacted by uh, Phil. Oh, yeah. Uh, friend of the pod. Uh, another Phil. And he, he said that he heard clear as day... 53 minutes into Exeter Chiefs against Worcester, he heard a line-out call that just goes to demonstrate the, the unending and unparalleled influence that the Egg Chasers podcast has on the entire game of rugby. Uh, and I've, I've got it for you here to listen to. See if you can listen to this call. So basically, you're about to hear an Exeter player kick the ball from a penalty towards the touchline. And then as the forwards are running towards the line-out, one of them says... What's the call? And I think it's Luke Cowan Dickey gives the call. Exeter Chiefs have a line out call of Cocker. Hang on, we've got to be careful here because we'd, we'd be devastated if the calls were just all the other rugby all the other rugby pod, podcasters. <laughs> What's the call? Goody? Goody. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, there you go. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to play it again. Let's go. Let's go, Andrew. Let's go. Uh, Cocker. They do like their dogs down there, don't they? They do, they do all have dogs, so I wonder whether it might be a name of a dog. Or BT Sports staff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, BT Sports so- staff. Nick. <laughs> Ugo Ball. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, watch that one. Keep your eyes and ears on that. And this is one of the this is one of the beauties of not having fans in the in in the stadium. Everyone gets to hear wonderful lineout calls like that. I tell you what, I know there's no fans in the stands, but when I was watching Leicester Tigers, that team when they were on their comeback, and it was a comeback, unbelievably, uh, made so much noise. I thought that there were fans just just from the player mics and the ref mics. Yeah, it is good hearing the player mics, and you do you occasionally pick up. A few things that you are not supposed to hear, and um, Ali Eakin and Nick Mullins repeatedly, even more frequently than normal, apologise for the bad language. Apologies, apologies which, for the language. There have, was one point when uh, Nick Mullins, I think do. midweek, just went, apologies for the language, apologies for the language, apologies for the language. <laughs> he did about three or four times just without any do other we, words. Why do you need to apologise for language, Tim? Is it just etiquette now? I mean, we know what we're watching. I, I, I'm with you, but it's, it's Ofcom. Is the yeah. they they are the body that govern us and their it's their rules. They need to come forward and say you can put up a little thing at the start of the of the game which says you may hear uh, swear swear words um, uh, and you can make the odd apology. But if you don't, but the, the Ofcom rules mean after every single occasion that it happens, you have to apologise immediately. Otherwise, you're liable to get in trouble. We just flash of a tiny sign like in the, like by the score, just like sorry, sorry. Sorry, and let the commentators get on with commentating. Like the little um, Guinness that you have in the corner of a, a pub um, yeah. Sorry. broadcast. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, perfect, yeah. perfect. Yeah, that, well, that is happening a lot more when, you, when you've not got fans. I mean, who, who are these wallflowers that are, that are watching, they're watching rugby and getting so disturbed by the naughty language? They're watching 19 stone men smash into each other as fast and hard as they possibly can. Yeah. Oh, look at that concussion. Bad language. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the way it goes. Anyway. Well, one other thing we picked up on a, on, on a ref mic without the crowd is this was from the Edinburgh-Glasgow game, and it's Rob Harley. Uh, and he's at a ruck, and the referee calls use it, and Rob Harley just helps highlight the referee uh, to the referee how long the player has been spending at the back of the ruck, the scrum half, before he actually kicks it. Use it! Into a position to protect the ball and just give shield. <laughs> He's right, though, isn't he? He's right. He's yeah. right. So it's the first time in a long time I heard the referee counting that down. Do you hear that? Oh no, no. I... Ah, oh, I missed that. Yeah, Good old Wayne Barnes. Yeah, is it what? Three, two, what? Which I don't think it's fair actually. Because if he's counting down, um, it means that if you're a defender, you've got to get off the line mark. Mm. Yeah, so I agree with that. And I remember um, hearing JP Doyle, I think, on um, Rugby Dungeon, talking about the fine line in between refing and actually coaching players. Because you've yeah. got to give them enough information for them to make decisions. But I would, I would actually agree with you, Jay. I think that puts it into the category of well, you're giving an unfair advantage to one team by counting An- Another Another time the referees pipe up, which I don't like, um, because for exactly the reason you just said that JP Doyle pointed out, that they're, they're referees. They're, they're not there to mother the, the, ch- yeah. the, the, uh, the children, the players. Um, <laughs> it's when a player catches it and he might be inside or might be outside the 22 and then decides to kick it, the ref will tell everyone, he was inside, he was inside, you're inside, you're inside. It's up to yeah. them to, to work out where they are on the pitch and what's going on. Come on then, let's, let's talk about the rugby. 
Well, just all right then. First thing, let's just let, let me just uh, do this because I suppose the most pressing uh, rugby matches were, well, it are the Pro 14 playoffs, which are coming up this coming weekend. Friday, we've got Leinster playing against Munster. Um, and Leinster, even with a bunch of changes in their side, look really impressive. They're so good. They're, they're ridiculously good. Yeah, they've, they've not lost a game this season. Yeah, Correct. Tw- uh, 21 wins out of 21 in all so competitions. F- yeah, f- 15 out of 15 in the Pro 14, or Pro 13 as it um, currently stands. Um, and um, six out of six in Europe as well. Yeah, so, they're, they're mighty impressive outfit. What more yeah. can you say about them? Yeah, well, they fairly handily put away um, my beloved Ulster um, away at Ulster this weekend. Yeah. So. Although, what, one thing to pick out on that is that uh, Stockers, once again, was playing with the 15 jersey on and looked, yeah, actually looked really good. Kurt Seer looked good for Ulster, as always, but really, I, I think Stockers was kind of the standout player for Ulster and he seems to be playing 15 more and more. I wonder... If this is with a view to him wearing that for Ireland, mm. or do you reckon it's orders from up high, Tim? I I wonder if it may be potentially. So, I, Ireland's fifteen jersey. You've got Rob Carney, who is the outgoing player. Mm-hmm. Lama has flashes of absolute brilliance, and then. Um, periods where maybe he's not as solid as you would hope for, an, uh, certainly for an island international 15. Certainly not under a high ball, which you're going to get a lot of. Yeah, and he has a disadvantage of if he's getting peppered with high balls, he's not not exactly a big lag, lad, whereas Stockers is 6'3", something like that. Um, other options, Mike Haley, who's a good, solid all-round player. Um, Will Addison, but he's not not really been fit for a long period of time. But played played a bit of fifteen, played a bit of thirteen. Yeah. Where's Will Addison at the moment? Is he is he injured again? Yeah, I think he's injured. I I, I, I might be wrong on that, but he's certainly injured at the start of the um, Pro Fourteen restart. Really, story of his career, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. We'll see. But Stockers Stockers could be a good option. But then you are losing one of the absolute devastating wing finishers from being a wing finisher so well, the flip side is, is you kind of go well yeah the flip side is you, you lose that wing finisher but you free up llama to do more of the things llama does best potentially i mean if you can get those two if you can fit those two into a, a a solid workable back three it doesn't really matter that much i mean look at um england and south africa a couple of years ago when mike brown was playing on the wing but mm. actually doing a lot of the the solid stuff at 15 so you can make it work um, so same with England in 2003 um, with Lucy, Lucy and Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, it didn't really matter which one of those was, was wearing 15 mm. because between them, they can do absolutely everything. Yeah, that's a fair shout. So, uh, well, Ulster, Stockers and the rest of them, will be, your beloved Ulster, Phil, will be going to Edinburgh on Saturday for the other Pro 14 playoff. Uh, it's a short turnaround for Munster, um, who handily put away Connacht but it just does feel like this is a, a procession for Leinster and it's going to be nice little gradual build-up for them. They'll, they'll put Munster away, then they'll put Ulster or Edinburgh away and then they'll probably put Saracens away. Mm. Uh, Saracens. Saracens will, Saracens will be, a, be the bump in the road. 
<laughs> I honestly think it would, it would be a great story. It would like from you could imagine. Well, potentially, what, what? Well, what would the Hollywood movie be of Saracens? What? What has to happen for it to be a legit Hollywood movie script? I've no idea. I have no idea. But I'd, wa- I'd watch that film. <laughs> I. Think... It would be. It would be winning the European Cup, wouldn't it? That it would. It, that that would be yeah. a Holly. That's a that's a possible Hollywood story. <laughs> They beat Leinster. Who else is going to stop them? Well, it, it might be a Hollywood story if, if for some reason we found that we subsequently find out that um, Marrow and Owen Farrell and all these other players have been donating uh, all of their income to, like, I don't know, a Syri- Syrian refugee, to fund a Syrian refugee shelter or something like that. Yeah. And they just kept stum about it because they, they didn't want to make a fuss. Which is almost certainly true, by the way. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to go like this, which is, you know, Leinster will get to that final. They'll be very happy with how things have gone on. And that's how they will approach the game, just like a normal, a normal game for Leinster. Whereas Saracens, this could be their last competitive game in that shirt. For some of these boys ever, they may never see a competitive game for Saracens ever again. They could spend a year in the championship and maybe two years in the championship and they might have a change of heart. They might go, look, I can't possibly stay here for, for that long. I, you know, I'm off. Now, Saracens is one of those organisations that the lads absolutely love to be part of. So it would not surprise me one bit if you know, this is kind of their final stand and they beat Leinster. It wouldn't surprise me one iota. Mm, it, it's possible... It's- it's definitely possible because Saracens can get still a phenomenal fifteen out. Um, oh, like good, good enough. I just wonder if the some of the players who have left will mean that the replacements bench, the depth, might not quite be there. They'll be all right. Mako, George, Cock, uh, Cock, Itoje, Rhodes, Billy, Owen Farrell. They're going to be all right. They, they will be all right. It, that will be a fascinating game. Any, anyway, neither of those teams are going to win the uh, Champions Cup because Ulster are going to win it. That's exactly oh, yeah, right. obviously, Ulster are going to win. Uh, Dan Levy, by the way, could be uh, making his comeback uh, in that semi-final for Leinster, which is great to see. Yeah, he was warming up this weekend, I understand. Yeah. He's which been out for a long time. A long, he? long time, yeah. So that's, He's that's such a talented player. Yeah. And, hey, I mean, he'll have been looking at that Lions... Uh, we, we'll talk about back row in a bit, but um, there's, there's some talent about yeah. in the back row that's going to be competitive. Um, so that's, that's, pro, sorry, we, done pro, we, we done with Pro 14 now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward Good. to the semi-finals. It should be great. No Welsh team again. Again. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bad times for Wales there. So, right, we, we've seen... Okay, here's one. We've seen... Now, the full week with three fixtures in a maximum of eight days for most clubs within seven days. Yeah. That's never happened before in, in the Premiership. We've seen it now. What do we make of it? Um, hmm. It's an interesting one because of how the teams have been selected. So there's effectively two options, right? There is the A and B team option, or there is the 1A and 1B option, which is basically to say you split your squad into two equal teams. There's only one and team that I understand has done that. I think two teams. 
I would say potentially Exeter have have done that too. Potentially. You think Exeter have, have got two 50% teams with a mixture yeah, of... Because they're so good all round. I mean, I would say... I mean, there might be a slight shading towards one than, one than the other, but just look at the names. Look, you know, look at how they play. And you think, mm, okay. I mean, the, the team that beat Bristol, a full-strength Bristol, had Phil Dolman in at 13. Yeah, you see, I'd, I'd say that was the X to B side. Yeah. I, I so that, was quite... Steen, that was Steenson at 10. It was um, Phil, Dolman, Phil Dolman, the Fijian centre at, at 13. So I, I, I think that is strongly a B team. But it shows the quality of um, Exeter. Yes, mate. I'm not. I'm not sure it is. Uh, Gareth Steenson is still the absolute boy. But he is um, number. He is the second choice. He is the B. He's he is a, the he's B. A fly quality. Half. That, that, no, no. That, not, Don, Don Armand is not. Um, Don Armand is behind Jack Vermeulen. If it was a Premiership final tomorrow, Jack Vermeulen would be the seven, and Don Armand would be looking for a place on the bench. But Don, Don, Don Armand played seven midweek. But he's brilliant. Yeah, he is brilliant. And that, that's both of mine and Tim's point. He's brilliant. And that shows the quality and the strength and depth that Exeter yeah, have. I, I'm not having that they're... That they're it, I think that they're as close to 1A and 1B as, as, you, as you can get. The only other team that we... That Tim, well, the other team Tim's referring to is, of course, Northampton. Northampton, who, clear, who have done... Chris Boyd, what he decided to do at the very start of this was to have a team which is composed of half first choice, half second choice in two different teams to try and spread yeah. the resources across. And it's backfired big time. It has backfired. And the problem he has is, it's basically the coin, it's a, it's a coin flip, right? So if everyone else is doing uh, a uh, you know, first and second teams and you're doing a, like 1A, 1B, you just got to hope that you come up against the second teams. And you know, in a different set of games, a different scenario, that's exactly what would have happened. And also, you can make, you might be able to steal a win against one of the first teams, but uh, it's not worked out. It's not worked out for them. And the more teams that are doing that, the easier it gets for Northampton. So yeah, you are right. They've they've really failed so far. But it was a risk worth taking, in my opinion. Well, it's it's an interesting one because the the coin flip, uh, in my mind, the coin flip is correct provided that none of the other DORs know that you split your team 50-50. Because when they know you split your team 50-50, they can basically think, well, we're going to target the Northampton team because that's not a full-strength team yeah. with our first team every time. So you're not, you're not playing the coin flip. You're playing strongest teams more often than not. Unless, of course, so unless the, team, the week before they play Northampton they were facing against another first team. In which case, they might say, right, we'll have to put the first team out against this first team because the imperative is we win here because they're second, we're third, and then we've got Northampton and we'll, you know, we'll take the gamble because our second team might be enough to beat their, their half-first team. Yeah, and, and that, that's kind of what happened when, when Bath played them. Bath yeah. went with a second team. and Bath's second team is still a strong team, very much so. But they were able to beat Northampton's one eighteen, one and a half team in Franklin's Gardens. Yeah. So, um, so that's why it's strange to him. That's but that's come back to your question. It's interesting to see how the DOs play it. And I think if we were to do it again, it would be more entertaining uh, because they would have better strategies in 
uh, in place. And I see no reason for this not to carry on. I see no reason for it not to be a feature of next season, to shorten the season, give the players more, more time off during the summer. Yeah, so that's where this conversation becomes really interesting for me, is how could you do this in future? And I'm, I'm broadly with you, actually, Jay, that I would probably prefer to see a shortened season, not have a 10-month club season, or certainly not a 10-month long premiership season, to have a shortened season where there is more intense period of games, um, but then bigger rest period outside of that. And to do that, if that was going to be the case, to fit into a global calendar and give more, um, more longevity to this kind of idea, as well as having more effective strategies from the DOR in terms of how they manage their teams, you would also get more effective strategies of how the DORs build their squads because yeah. don't forget, these squads were not built for this. And in some cases, like Saracens and Leicester particularly, both those clubs have lost a huge number of players who were leaving the clubs because of various different things. So they've, they've kind of cobbled together this squad that they've got now um, to be playing these games. It just happened in those two examples that one of the cobbled together squads is significantly stronger than the other one. Yeah. And it's going to be playing in the championship next year. Well, they both should be in the championship next year. I have no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, I, I think as a long-term solution, I would, I, I would like to see, and I, I mentioned this a while ago, I think I'm getting more and more on board with this, where you have, um, you chunk the season down. So you might have, I don't know, a 20-week window to have, or maybe even a 15-week window to have the whole of the premiership. And then yeah. you have an eight-week window to have the whole, like maybe four weeks off, an eight-week window to have the whole of the Champions Cup, and then you can have the um, internationals after that. But to, to do it where you give distinct breaks in between the, the sections of the season so players can have a proper rest. Yeah, I think that's the important thing. I wonder if the rests for the players are more important to be consecutive days and weeks and months rather than, you know, have two days off here before facing Leinster, and then have, uh, you know, an extra day off here before you know, going to play Saracens. It just, to me, doesn't seem like the best way to get your rest. If you condense all of these games, the DOs will naturally rotate their squads because they want to win. And knackered players don't win games. Yeah, no. the, the, the composition of squads will completely change, but, but that's fine. The other thing, and I was just thinking about this, initially when you said it, Phil, I thought, oh, this will just further increase the... The, the pointlessness of having England internationals in your squad, which is one of the issues I do have at the minute with the Premiership, is actually it's far more efficient and it's far better and you're far more likely to get results if you spend your money on a, on a Fijian that doesn't play international rugby or on a South African. Um, mm. One, because of the exchange rate and the, the money goes <laughs> further. But, but secondly, just because you'll get them for 22 games. But actually, when I think about it, because you're talking about having periods, chunks, you actually would get your England players. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you'd be guaranteed to get your England players for all of the premiership games you choose to play them in within the parameters of the 180 minutes or whatever rules are going to be put in place and forced onto the clubs. You just would need to have a, a bigger squad. So well, that's, that's the other problem with this, particularly given the reduction in salary cap. Like if, if you are going to do this condensed season and be playing three games a week for a portion of it, you do need a bigger squad, right? Definitely. Um, we, 15 weeks, and that's fine. Sorry, say that again. Season could be done, couldn't it? The Premiership season 
than 15 weeks? Yeah. With playoffs. Yeah. You could do it in in that kind of period. So a four-month window. But you would need a bigger squad if you're going to be playing three games a week for for a chunk of it. And you could probably repeat the process for the for the European Cup. So group stages done on the week on you know multi week ba- sorry multi games a week basis, and then thin, thin it out for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just going to say I would much prefer the European Cup um, to be different just because of the travelling. Like you, you want to have if if, if you are Ulster tra- you want to travel to Toulouse you want to travel to Saracens you want to. Um, see the stadia because you might not play him again for another six years yeah that's mm. fair uh, the, the other thing is um uh, yeah i'm just i'm just i'm just wargaming this one out yeah no i'm 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 broadly i'm broadly on board with it as a as a concept yes you would need a bigger squad mm-hmm. hmm and what the coaches decide to do. It will be, you're right. It's, it will be for all coaches to manage their players. Oh, that's what I was going to say. That was the thing I was going to add. I could, I could see bigger squads and you utilising more of your academy squad if this was done along with a ring fencing procedure, which I'm not totally sure about, but I think that would be the logical conclusion. If you wanted to do a 20-week premiership season or 18-week premiership season all done, Bigger squads needed, therefore you need to use more of your academy. If it was ring fenced, kind of makes sense. You would get mu- many more, many less meaningful games. It'd be naughty stepped or relegation. <laughs> I mean, no relegation. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but I'm saying if you were thinking about it, then that would be. That seems like the logical yeah. progression. I used to like ring fencing. I was all for it until we got this taste of what it is like without it, and I don't like it. I think. Um, I think we need some sort of jeopardy at the bottom of the table, whatever that jeopardy might may well be. Mm, I, I can I can understand that principle because I mean this this season so with no ring fencing and the three games in a week and the rotation of the squads, it does mean you get games that are kind of pointless. Like I, ex, I, Exeter, congratulations yeah. Exeter on beating Worcester, hammering Worcester. But it was a, a very strong Exeter team, as they all are, against a pretty weak Worcester team. And it was just a pr- procession that no one yeah. learns anything and, from. And it's not uh, especially enjoyable. I've got a soft spot for London Irish. And even with the soft spot I have for London Irish, when Saracens were 14-0 up, and I could see the way it was going, I, was, I wasn't remotely interested. That, it, it wasn't a great game, that. I mean, Saracens... It's basically as soon as they wanted to, they scored. They switched off a couple of times and let London Irish score. That that's kind of the story of that game. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it wasn't a great spectacle. Did, did you work that game, Tim? No. Did you work today? No, no, no. I worked a Saturday and Sunday. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, just one other thing, because I. I I don't like the naughty step idea, but I do like the idea of some jeopardy, in it, but I'm not sure what it could be. Um, but I do think having a 13-team league when you condense it, because you've got a natural break week for teams on rotation, that does help with the player attrition and the fixture attrition. Mm. So, there's a, so there's an 11-team league. Uh, say it again, sorry. 
So does an 11-team league. <laughs> it does. So two, two teams on the naughty step. How else yeah. could you add Jeopardy? You could add Jeopardy where um, maybe... <laughs> here's one. We, there's, we design a kit that is the most horrific kit you can think of that you have to wear the following <laughs> season. Yeah, you get your kit designed by your local rivals. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like that actually. That reminds me of like the um, the old Top Gear challenges where they had the, like the worst car following <laughs> following them round. Uh, it, yeah, I I quite like that. Although it'd be it'd be bizarre when Saracens realise that their rivals are Harlequins and no one's ever told <laughs> that they have. <laughs> Who? What? What are these funny kits? Saracens' rivals are Leinster and <laughs> Ex- Exeter. That's no. it. Yeah. Yeah. What we're designing a kit for Leinster? <laughs> oh, and Claremont as well. Saracens <laughs> have some beef with Claremont. <laughs> oh, the who? Um, as for the as for the rugby this season, I, I genuinely think there's something in that, and it's it's been interesting to see the the midweek fixtures get us into that mindset. And the more I think about it, the more I think a condensed league, bigger squads. Yes, we would have more of these mismatched games. I mean, I think it, it would sort itself out. I really do. I think people would get far smarter about how they rotate their squad and all yeah. sorts of it. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and I think you build a squad for it as well. Yeah, you, you build, you build a, a better yeah. squad with this in mind. Yeah. But, but the, the only problem with that is if, you're, if you put in an extra 10 or 15 players on your squad, but the salary cap stays the same, which it probably will do because it's only just been reduced, mm. you're basically putting in uh, player wage deflation, like a, a, quite a significant chunk of player wage deflation which is not necessarily a good thing no yeah but i think broadly speaking i think uh, northampton have been the, been the big losers out of their approach to this and i think the uh, i think chris boyd uh, chris boyd has sort of said he said last week yes we might look to tweak the way we do the selection but he was tied into it by then so he couldn't do it but now's the now's the time when they can pivot and change pivot mm. Uh, so I think they will change their selection the way they do it, and they will either have a full-strength first team and really go for the win, or have a totally changed team and try and sneak a bonus point or maybe a win. Well, good news. Got Exeter and Bristol next. Ooh. So if you, you two is out against Exeter and target Bristol, or do you get beaten by? Do you have your ones beat by Exeter and then your twos beat by Bristol? Yeah. What do you want to do? I think he'll go. I think no. I think he'll go full strength at home against Exeter because Chris Boyd said after the game that he thinks they have to win all five games, and if they lose the next one, it's terminal. Yeah, Uh, they're on a. You mentioned it the other day. It's in a five-game losing streak at Franklin's Gardens. At Franklin's Gardens, yeah. Which is that is just not acceptable for for any team with ambitions of uh, making the top four. I think the first game we should talk about is the game of the weekend, Bathory Wasps. What a match. It was awesome, wasn't it? It's was absolutely awesome. I knew this was going to be the, the best game of the weekend. I just had a feeling about it. In fact, I, I, even, I even tweeted that, tweeted that, that out. Um, just so much, so much drama to it. So many different layers. Well, I mean, it was the game of the weekend anyway, because it was two full-strength teams, third and uh, fourth and fifth in the league. Yeah, I've got to, like, I look at this Wasps team and I think, you know, their first choice players, their first choice 15 plus subs are good. And then they do struggle. But when they are all out, I mean, they've done a phenomenal job. The coaching staff there, um, you know, everyone has done a phenomenal job to get Wasps where they are right now. But I do worry about their depth. That is a one big concern. 
But right now, they're absolutely flying. I yeah. love Jacob Umanga. That guy is just cool as a cucumber. He had a bad game midweek. He had a bad game I against Sale. But, oh, just how – he's just so languid and, and, and seems so calm all the time. I am. I'm wanting to get on board the Umanga bandwagon. I, I really am. Like, he just does things – he does things well. Is he – is he ahead of Marcus Smith, do you reckon, in, in, in the England pe- packing? Is he that the would be an interesting one. Who, who will be the third 10 that Eddie Jones picks? So, I, think those, I think those are your two contenders. Well, Jacob Umaga was in the Six Nations squad ahead he of was, Marcus yeah, Smith. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But he wasn't really in there, was he? Well, he, he, so he wasn't, dis- as far as I'm aware, he wasn't distinguished as an academy player, uh, which or sometimes... Apprentice. Or apprentice, sorry, yeah, apprentice player. Little asterisk next to the name. Yeah, which sometimes Eddie Jones does. But you're right, he wasn't really... I mean, things would have to get pretty serious for both uh, George Ford and Owen Farrell to him, for him to get anywhere near any game time, except besides the, um, the potential of the Italy game. Yeah, agreed. Um, and also, the problem with Jacob Umanga and, uh, and Marcus Smith it's not like Ford and Farrell. You know, you don't have a big, robust guy. I wouldn't like to play one of those boys at 12 at international level. <laughs> but yeah. You, you've got a choice. Make it. What, yeah. Whose hair do you prefer? Umanga or Smith? Uh, Umanga. Uh, Smith, Smith's hair is magnificent. <laughs> I, I was admiring that this weekend. Umanga's hair is unique. Um, not for me. If I had a head of hair like Marcus Smith, God, it's wonderful. He was brilliant as well. Both of them were outstanding this weekend. Marcus Smith, I love it. Just I love watching him. You've mentioned this before. I love because when he was with Jamie Roberts, when he was, I love watching him just tell off Mike Brown and say, "You get there, do that." We're doing idiots, <laughs> but it's amazing. Isn't it? I mean, I yeah. still find that uh, just such, such such a wonderful thing for a young man to come into a team and you know literally order on Jamie Roberts, who was player the player of the series for the you know two time, three time Lion. Yeah, run this line, catch up ball, come here. You know, whatever it is that, that he's uh, bark, barking orders at, um, sorry, bark, bark, barking orders for, it's just, it's just impressive. But, but can we just talk about the, uh, and just credit the guts of that Wasps team? Well, hang on a minute. So <laughs> I was kind of with you on this because I thought that they went down to 14 men. Embarrassingly, it was Twitter that, that, that corrected me. They didn't, did they? They kept 15 on. Correct. They had four injuries, including both their hookers. Tommy Taylor went off injured, and then Gabriel uh, Ogre came on, and he went off with a head injury. The law states that if a front row player goes off, or I think if a player goes off and it's a head injury, he can be replaced. And the normal laws, when you go down to uncontested scrums, where you have to remove a player... um, if you want to go uncontested, so you'd go down to 14 men, doesn't apply in the case of a head injury, which is what happened here. Yeah, well, okay, let's start with this. Let me just uh, speak about my newfound love for Gabriel Ogre. I, I love this kid. I absolutely love this kid. Booker, mm. uh, but plays back, plays back row. Um, I, I just love the versatility. I, I love the... But, you know, out with Ashley Johnson, who did exactly that, and now they've got another one. I, you know, it tells me the kid's got the kid. Kid has got more than a little bit about him. So big, 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 big fan of that. Andy plays well too. He plays with with a lot of energy. Um, 
This is a weird one, though, in terms of uh, the uncontested nature of the game. Because what it allowed is, well, James Gaskell in particular went into a different gear. And I just wonder if it suited the athleticism of the... I mean, not that the, not the bath pack is unathletic, but if it just suited the game of wasps more than it suited the game of bath. Yeah, what do you think happened there? So um, the loose head prop, West, um, right. three years ago had played hooker, as it turned out, and the team manager, when Wayne Barnes ran over to him, let's recap what happened. So Gabriel Ogre has a head injury. Um, they've used... He was already the replacement hooker, so... Wayne Bonds goes over to the touchline and says to the team manager, do you have another hooker? Yes, we have. Loose head prop. He, he, he's, he's, he's comfortable at hooker. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll stay contested. And Simon McIntyre goes on as loose head prop. Wayne Bonds trots back over and says, apparently you're hooking. Is that all right? Well, yeah, I've done it. I've, yeah, yeah, I, I did it a few years ago. And in, in, between, the, in between the conversations, the, the, this guy decides, no, he doesn't. What do you think happened there? Well, I think that the team manager knows the history of the player because these team managers know everything. And he knows that he's played hooker and he knows what he has um, on, his, uh, on his team sheet. But he's just not consulted the player because the player hasn't... Um, well, I mean, this conversation just, just, hasn't, just hasn't occurred. The interesting part for me was West's body language. It was almost inviting Wayne Bonds to ask further questions. Did... Did you feel that? Yeah, well, it was... He looked totally surprised to me, as, as in the, he never thought this scenario was going to come up. Yeah. But then there's a little bit suspicion because he gives this after he's basically... Wayne Barnes has taken the decision out of his hands and said he's not comfortable, therefore he's not playing. Uh, playing hooker. He then gives this, like, wry smile, which could be interpreted as... He knows exactly what he's doing, but I just I don't think that's right. I don't think no. he knew exactly it, it, what he was doing. It, look, no. can I, say, can I tell, you, tell you what I think briefly? I what I wonder if the team manager said yes, yes, yes. We've definitely got another hooker because wasps might have been thinking we're going to go down to fourteen, 14 men. men. Yeah, and I, if you actually because I watched it again, if you actually watch Wayne Barnes while while um, the injury's down, he's chatting to Joe Launchbury, the wasps captain. And he explains to Joe Launchbury, no, no, it's a head injury, so, you, you know, you'll stay at 15. Mm. And, it's I... Joe, and it's Joe Launchbury that West looks round at, looks round at Launchbury, Launchbury says something like, when, when was the last time you played hooker? And I th- I, I'm not saying there's anything untoward going on. I think, actually, <laughs> it might just be smart on their well, part. And if he doesn't feel comfortable, that's all that matters, safety first. Well, but I, I wonder if once they realised and the penny dropped, you're going to stay at 15. It made that decision about whether to try it. So if I'm 22, 23-year-old hooker, Tom, uh, top hooker, prop Tom West, and the order comes in from the team manager that we are sticking at, fi- at 15. So that we are sticking at 15, yeah, I, I'm going to hooker. I don't think I make the decision to overrule the team manager on the on the basis of, of tactical nows. You know, I'm not there. I'm there to push things around and carry a ball. I'm not there to make team-wide decisions. And if that's come from the coaching staff, I'm definitely not, not going to do that. So if he was to make that decision on that basis, i.e. a bit of gamesmanship, it would have to come from Launchbury. Because Launchbury is the only guy in that whole equation 
who is not on the coaching staff, who has the power and the mouse to say, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. To, to what I, 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 I agree with that. As in, it, I don't think West will have figured out, this out. And if Launchbury has figured this out, fair play to Launchbury. Because that, that is, um, it, it's, it's very tactically astute. It, it yeah. is playing the laws um, to your advantage, playing with inside the laws to your advantage. It would be interesting if in, if in a, a subsequent game, there's another scenario that happens where it's not a head injury and whether West would say, I'm not, I'm not a happy hooking, so we're gonna, I'm going to have to go leave the field and we'll go down to 14. Yeah. Or whether he might just give it a go. Well, okay, so there's another thing going on here as well. And this is a, 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 you know, a, a Twitter thing. And I think it's like basically an abuse of the language. So a lot of people saying Tom West was brave. Now, let's just take it. Let's take away the launch me thing. Let's just assume everything is exactly as it is. Exactly. So the only reason Tom West does not want to play uh, hooker is because he does not feel comfortable. And that's, that's the only reason, right? So if he does not feel comfortable and he makes a decision not to play there, I don't think that is brave. I think that's smart. I think it's reasonable. I think it's sensible. I think it's wise. Um, I think all those things. It's not wrong, but it's not brave. I mean, brave would be... Uh, you know, um, well, no, brave is when he brave is every time he runs on the pitch and plays prop in the, in the Gallagher Premiership. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that act, that act isn't brave. I mean, like if uh, if if I see a drowning child and I make all calculations, I know it's certain death it isn't. You know, it's brave if I jump to my death. It's not brave if I stand on the side. So he wasn't brave. Maybe he was smart because at the end of the day, it's his neck literally on the line. Um, uh, but the, the, the bigger question to me is, why is this professional athlete who plays front row not comfortable playing hooker? I would say everyone in the front row should be learning to play at least two positions in the front row, either off their own back or because the coach has told them to. And it, it shouldn't make any difference. And it's not because it's an optimum situation. It's because it's a situation where you might need someone to step in in a different position. From a player's point of view, you want to be playing more than one position because if Tom West plays hooker, played hooker today, and he scrimmages brilliantly and he hits a few lineouts, he's got evidence of him as a Premiership standard hooker, which he can leverage in his next contract negotiation. Uh, so, from a coaching standpoint, they should make their players ready. And from a player's point of view, you want to be ready so you can leverage as much stuff as you can to get more money. These aren't part timers, Tim. I mean, these guys aren't, you know entertaining the nation every day on Virgin Radio and then stepping in to play on the weekend. You understand that they have full-time coaches, professional coaches. And if it's just, you know, two minutes at the end of every scrimmaging session, right, if you don't play a position, play somewhere else now. Let's just get some te te uh, technique done. Just get used to it, just in case the worst happens. That's a perfectly sensible thing to be doing. It doesn't sound like he was 100% comfortable, but sometimes I imagine props have stepped in at hooker, not 100%, but confident enough. Yeah. But um, it may well have been very, very smart on Joe Launchbury's part. Let's just let's just say uh, that. Not considered that angle before this podcast, and now you mention it, I think you might be right. It, fair play to Launchbury because I, I actually think that and and Wasps staying at fifteen and it going uncontested, I think that's potentially the most um, significant moment in this game that allowed Wasps to win it. Um, I, I, I think it was fundamental to them actually winning this game. <laughs> Because would you give up? I mean, um, 
I, um, Ilo had one big, big scrum and uh, won the penalty off Borno. You think, yeah, the scrum's all right. You know, it's, it's winning penalties. They completely uh, dismantled their line-out. They had no line-out whatsoever. I mean, I, actually, Bath can hold, uh, hang their head in shame there. Bath should have been stealing that ball left, right and centre. Well, the, one of the really impressive things about Wasps is the way they played the game tactically with that set of circumstances because they kept the ball infield a lot. They tapped and, uh, tapped and went all the time. They did quick line-outs. They managed to get around the weakness that they had incredibly well. And that, that just showed a real nous, I think is the word you've already used, um, if Launchbury was influential in making that call. But nous from guys like Umanga and Dan Robson, absolutely on the money because they avoided those situations where they were going to be exposed in a line-out. And the one time that Wasps did have a line-out and ended up scoring the penalty try from it, uh, Bath didn't compete because they wanted to try and defend a drive. Madness. Mm. And they still Bath. failed. Yeah, uh, that, that, was, that was madness. Well, hang on a minute. Bath have got two international-class halfbacks, right? Now, if you can compete at a line-out, there's nothing to stop you winning the territory Bath battle and kicking it out. Like, kicking it out every time, putting pressure on that. Now, if Wasps responds to your kicking game by dropping a third man or a fourth man or even the fifth man, then you can, then you can attack and ball in hand. Like, well, what the halfbacks were thinking for Bath is beyond me. I mean, if I know that they, can't, if they don't have a line-out and I've got a full pack ready to go, go and pressure the line-out and kick them to death. Yeah, and uh, Wasps' turnaround in um, tactics and astuteness is even more marked when you consider that after 11 minutes, they were 13-0 down. Yeah. They tried three times to run the ball out of their own um, half, their own 22 at times, and failed um, three times, giving away penalties and the uh, McConaughey um, collection of the ball that was dropped. So you think, I mean, watching that first 15 minutes, I thought that um, Bath were going to just run away with it. I, th- I thought, Well, I mean... You're 13 nil up after 11 minutes. If you uh, uh, you don't need to be a brilliant mathematician to plot that linearly across the 80 minutes and work they're going to work out they're going to get to nearly 100 points to nil. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly right. But uh, th- so th- so them so wasps actually in the face of adversity turning it round, turning it round from a performance perspective and from a tactics perspective was really good. Was yeah, massive credit to I, them. I, I, yeah, and add to that the number of goal line stands that they managed to turn over, hold the ball up. They, I just, I just think the heart that Wasp showed was amazing. Bath will look at that and they'll watch the game tape and think, how did we, how did we not put that game to bed? Yeah. But the, the fight that Wasps had in them was, uh, was so impressive. Tell you who, tell you who plays hard, and I've not really re- noticed this until the last few. A few weeks, Malachi Fakatoa likes likes to bang people. He loves to hit people, doesn't he? <laughs> wow! Like he absolutely annihilated Jonathan Joseph, uh, and the other one as well, um, Kibariki just can't be held down. Yeah, he, he he is so strong. He's such a good player. Slippery. I wonder if he's got some sort of like relationship, or you know, you know maybe family tree linking him back to Yoan Uje. I just. <laughs> Slippery and quick and he's just, he's brilliant. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But Jack Willis is a freak at the breakdown. Oh my goodness. Didn't he turn over someone who just turned him over? Did he he return over the ball? I think maybe against Ben Curry. But Ben Curry's... Ball, lie. No, he, yeah, he goes over the ruck, picks the ball up, places the ball, only to be returned over by Jack Willis. <laughs> now, the interesting part about that scenario is potentially Tom Curry could then take that ball, followed by the second Willis. Tom so Willis. Could, yeah, he could potentially <laughs> turn over, return over, re return over, and re 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 return over. <laughs> There's loads of people the, the last couple of weeks have been saying Jack Willis. It's got to be, got to be in the England squad. Got to be in the England squad. Uh, no one has said who they would drop from the England well, squad, which is a cocker's law. You can't just say, you can't just see someone have a good game and go, put them in, they should be in the England squad. You've got to say who you would drop instead. So at this juncture, pick your 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 A and B, your six England back rowers, and as a result, you're going to have to say who you would drop. Uh. Well, I mean, they just won't be there, will they? So, well, exactly, yeah. Curry, Tom Wait, Curry, Tom Curry. Oh, let's just say Billy's playing, right? So it has to be Billy. Well, I mean, it's just, you can pick who you want, JB. Curry, Billy, Marrow. Okay. Willis. I've used up all my eights. Who's the other eight? I don't know. Curry. Don't know. Tom Curry, you're, Tom you're Curry, Ben Earl, but, but he's oh yeah, he's playing in because um... the options you've got uh, like in the in the World Cup final it was Cunderhill and Billy, yeah. Um, then in the Six Nations just gone, Lewis Ludlam started a game. Uh, you had Tom Curry at eight with Underhill, and you had Ben Earl on the bench. Yeah. But other contenders are Ben Curry now, yeah, Jack definitely, Willis, definitely, definitely, Alex uh, Dombrant, Dombrant, S- Sam Simmons, Sam Simmons, as as a seven or a six, but I I think he needs to be in the conversation because he's so good, he's so fast and so explosive. Uh, yeah, Ted, I, I Ted, see. Well, it depends what you want them to do. I know I always say that, but it does, does depend what you want them to do. So who would you I pick to do? Well, if you want to go classic six, seven, eight. Well, what do you want to do? What do I want to do? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is just you. You're picking. 
I mean, like, fant- your fantasy JB. Yeah, but you know, it's not realistic, is it? Because I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, come back to JB, Phil. You pick. <laughs> um. So starting, I'm probably going to stick with the World Cup position. So Billy Underhill and Curry, and then which leaves me three slots. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that Marrow and Laws are taking up my second row slots, even though they could fill in there. So my remaining three. Oh, I'm going to say Sam Simmons, Ben Earl, and then maybe Ludlam, just because those three are all. I think they can do jobs in multiple positions. Uh, and they're all kind of explosive and work rate, work rate, work rate. This is what I like about this because you're actually having the guts to say, like so many people on Twitter who go, Willis has got to be in the England squad. Don Brandt's got to be in the England squad. They're, they're, they're doing that from a position where they seem to have unlimited squad spots where you've actually... Yeah, 30, back, 30 back rows. Yeah. Actually, actually, I'm going to change my mind. Um, I'm going to put in Willis, Jack Willis over Ludlam. Okay, I so... Think. Ben Earl, Sam Simmons, Sam Simmons, and Jack Willis, and Jack Willis alongside the Cunder World Hill Cup trio. Billy. So yeah. I go, I go, Cunderhill and Billy agreed the, the the World Cup finalist three. I go, Dombrant, Willis, Dombrant, Willis. And uh, I see this is where where you have a six. I don't think you can accommodate Tom Curry. Jack Willis and Ben Curry, but Ben no. Curry's playing so well. But I so I would go. So I go. Willis, Don Brandt, Ben Earl. I mean, if so mine's only different. Sorry, Phil. Mine's only different from yours. I've picked Don Brandt instead of Sam Simmons. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. If you've got Ben Earl, yes. Yeah, but if you, I mean, you could play Tom Curry at eight. I mean, uh, Willis is yeah. a big, bigger fella than um, Tom Curry ben. could be your eight. There's no reason why not, and that would be dynamite. I mean, that would be. Good God, that'd be horrific to play against. <laughs> what? Con- uh, un- Underhill, Tom Curry, and Jack Willis? No. Curry, Curry, and Willis. Curry, Curry, Willis. Or Curry. I mean, I, I can't even think about how, how awful. So who would your six be then? Well, those three, Billy, uh, Underhill. So the, two and- Curry, so the two Currys, Willis, Billy, and you've got two more spots. Underhill. I think I need another eight in there, so... He's one go. more spot. If I had one, one more spot, I would take Ludlam, because I think he's more versatile. If I had two more spots, I would take Ludlam, and I would take uh, Earl. Earl, okay. Uh, so, I, I will just say how young all these players are. Mm. I mean, um, Underhill is the oldest... I think, oh, no, excluding Billy, who's only about 26 or 27, but... Underhill would be the next oldest at 24. Um, they're all so young. Wow. He didn't. He didn't play well today. In fact, I think I thought he was pretty poor by his stamp. Yeah, was... and I, I I agree with that actually. And I, I thought he should have been one of the ones who was really fighting hard at the breakdown to to blow away guys like Willis. And I think he struggled. And actually. Um, there was one time where he was defending um, a Bath attacking Rook and Fekitoa blew past him and totally disrupted the ball, which 
should that should not happen. And Fekito is a very explosive guy, but your open side flanker who should be um, defending a rook shouldn't get blown off by a, a 13. I think what Underhill has in his favour, I mean, it's just one game this, so... You know, Shol- massive shoulders. Huge, enormous shoulders. Is he's put in uh, not just some good performances for England, but some world-class, all-time highlight um, real moments. Like, literally, that's the kind of player, player he is. It feels what, were they, me- what, was the, what was the name of him and Curry? The something brothers? What was it? The Bash Brothers, was it? The Bash, Bash Brothers? But yeah, so the things Underhill can do, and the bigger the stage, the you know, the better he seems seems to seems to to perform. So I think you know, part of me is coloured by the recent form of these other players. But there, there might be no one in the world who could have pulled off that tackle against Owen William, um, Scott Owen Williams. Scott, Scott Williams. Uh, yeah, Scott Williams. These are these these moments in England shirt which are unmatched. They'll go down in history as great great rugby moments. So he has that. Well, one of one of his greatest rugby moments won't actually go down as a great rugby moment because it got disallowed. His try against New Zealand that would have won England, the England versus New Zealand Autumn International two years ago. It was a disallowed try. I mean, that his whole performance on that day was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, he can he can turn it up to different levels actually. It just shows. I mean, England is stacked, aren't they? And mind you, uh, I mean the Currys are playing out of this world though. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I actually think, for what it's worth, we've pit, we, we pinned ourselves to six, but I think that Eddie Jones will pick more than that and play more different players. I think the time is. I think Don Brandt is is his time. I think he could actually take the starting spot from Billy as as a number eight at international Ooh. level. What? Ooh. Wow. I, I think he could. I, I every time I see him, I just think he's got X factor. He does things. And another player, the bigger the stage, the bigger the play, the bigger the play. I I just think there's something so special about him in a kind of Jack Willis fashion, actually. What's about um, twelve? That, that, that's not <laughs> problems, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who knows whether his conditioning is is okay for international rugby? We'll see. But the lines he picks, he's just such a natural rugby player. I really, really love watching him every time. And I was at I was at the stoop, and. Um, and watch that. But sorry, before we go on to that, just um, d- did you notice the one of the little anomaly- anomalies in the law that that bit Bath in the ass? The um, no. so Bath scored a pushover try, and Jack Willis totally infringed and, and tried to pull the 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 mall down just before the line. But Bath managed to get the ball down and score. Jack Walker got the try. I think they missed the conversion. Um, so Bath ended up having five points, and Jack Willis. Nothing happened to him because Bath scored. Whereas Sam Underhill pulled, uh, yeah. pulled yes. them all down, which meant Wasps couldn't put the ball down. They get a penalty try, seven points, and Underhill gets 10 and, minutes in the bin. And yellow card, yeah. That'd be cynical. Yeah. Well, no, no, but Jack well, Willis was both, equally cynical, yeah, cynical but he just wasn't as good at it as Underhill. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. Unlucky. <clears throat> uh, or, 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 or was he? Be, be worse at being cynical. Hang on, who's actually better being cynical here? The guy that Willis, I guess. Well, because he didn't, he, pulled... he didn't prevent the try. Yeah, yeah but he kick. Yeah, be... and he didn't get yellow carded. Yeah. So it's more cynical. You've got to be worse at pulling it down to be better at being cynical. <laughs> so to uh, to answer your question about the um, back rows and team, just going back to that, the answer to this 
is because they're missing a team, a novelty game between English-based South Africans against only young English back rows. <laughs> yes. Non cap game. <laughs> I love it. Well, get in touch with us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. You're six back rowers because I'm fed up with everyone saying you would oh you've got Eddie Jones has got to pick this person because there's only so many spots so come on put your money where your mouth is I do have to say um, to, for, for six back rows you are increasing the number of back rows from the Six Nations squad because, really so he only picked five back rows but he picked six locks because Laws and Itoje were auxiliary back rows and also if you remember Charlie Ewells played tight head eight in the oh, yeah. well I, th- I think that could be the from these new uh, law interpretations i think the casualty could be the depth of england's locks there's going to be a lock or two that won't get in the england squad that would have got in the england squad mm, because I mean, the, you're going to have more scavengers because you're going to have more scavengers just a shame isn't it that Cru- that Cruz has moved moved overseas well but johnny hill look at him yeah galloping in for a hat trick yeah uh looks yeah. good nicky's equay looks good he does yeah. Yeah, I could play six because again, maybe you need a six. Maybe that's a forgotten species, a, a Peter Stepped toy. Someone who's going to do the hard work and be a line out option. Yeah, uh, that's why I like it. Uh, like a Toji there, to be fair. I think I think a Toji, I mean, there's nothing wrong with his jackling skills, there's nothing wrong with his line out skills, there's nothing wrong with anything. Yeah, that well, you get everything. Interesting to watch. I, I, I mentioned Quinns, and I'm, I'm just going to say it. I, I, I've I've talked up this guy a lot, but Mike Brown is England's best fullback still. Uh, he's, still would, he's still England's best fullback. I'm, I'm, I probably say that is Luke James, but <laughs> pretty good. Um, well, who are the other options? So other than Luke. Other than Luke James, Furbank is not playing particularly well in a bad side. Uh, Daly is playing 13 well yeah. in a good side. Uh, I'm telling you, right? Oh, Watson, yeah. Watson, I, yeah, he's not played a huge amount, though. I don't think I've ever seen Luke James make a mistake. And I know this is, this is something which, which Dime said uh, post much about Luke James, but he's not the first one to say that. I was talking to one of the sale um, academy coaches about two years ago now, and I because or maybe three years ago, because I saw a another James lining up at, at centre when I went down to Haywood Road to watch the A team play as a neutral, and uh, I asked about about him. He was ah, not spectacular. Never makes a mistake though, and, but yeah. I think he's wrong because he is spectacular. He's 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 very good. But are we really talking about Luke James in a conversation about England's best fullbacks? Well, yes. just. And, and just on that point, never makes a mistake. You know, he topped the charts in the Sale Bristol game for one particular stat: penalties, knock-ons, tries, uh, t- turnovers conceded. Really, so, losing the ball, he lost the ball more than any other player in that game, in- including including Tiff Eden, who threw that spectacular um, intercept pass to Denny. I, I I I like Luke James, but yeah. I'm, that- He's one of the most talented players that he's worked with. Watch his well, space. I'm, I'm not suggesting he should be in the England squad. I understand his time has passed. I just, I guess, I just want to say, I, 
I, I didn't think when he came back from a long injury that he came back from a few weeks ago, I thought he looked a bit rusty and I wasn't sure if we'd ever see Mike Brown like we remember Mike Brown, but my God, he was bloody brilliant I, against Saints. I guess with Mike Brown, he, he's the kind of player that age isn't going to affect him so much. It's not as if he is, I don't know, make up the very, very fast, uh, fast, fast, explosive guy. Um, He's more positional, he's more fighty, he's hard, he's a tough man. You don't really lose that with age. So well, His step and gas on that try, they scored from, well, twice. He did, he did the tap, he did the quick yeah, tap which, for, the um, for the Nathan Earl try. And his, his step and gas uh, for the Ashton, ahead of the Ashton try, I'm not so sure. I think he's a bit more of an all-rounder than that. And he's 33 now as well. Still, you know, just just a really special guy, really special player. No, no, Luke, uh, no, 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 Luke James. Though, <laughs> actually, Tim, he's um, he's just about to turn thirty-five. What? He's he's thirty-four and three hundred and sixty-two days. He is thirty-five on. Uh, where are we? Friday. Really? Yeah. Well, so, he's. He's, he's still playing great, and I, 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 I thought he had a superb game. And I said it before, actually, um, a couple of weeks ago. It's so good to see him back, looking fast and looking hungry after a bad knee injury. So fair play, Mike Brown. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think he's well. His England days are done. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to suggest he should be in the England squad, but uh, just I, I just was massively impressed by him. And Marcus Smith. Yeah, Smith had a good game. Um, I, I quite enjoyed this game until... So the first half was great because um, Saints were still in it. I loved I loved both the Saints tries. Oh, yeah. I thought the, the little one-two with Hutchinson and Proctor oh. back to Hutchinson was awesome. <clears throat> and the Oluwafella try, Ryan Oluwafella try. It might be my favourite try of the season, that, just for the Grayson pass. It was spectacular. Unfortunately, they couldn't back it up and do anything after that point, uh, and Quinn's kind of ran away with it. How did how did the scrum go? Fine. No, neither team really were on top. Interesting. Interesting. I'm just looking through the teams. I I, I didn't see the game. I'm looking at the teams. I mean, I know we said one A and one B, but this the backline that um, Saints put out looks looks dangerous. Yeah, but you put. Bigger in there, you put Naravoro in there, you, you put, um, well, Malinder, if he was ever fit, if he could get back to fitness. Yeah. You put Arcee Tuala in there. Hutchinson and Proctor are bloody good players. Collins yeah. is, Burbank plays for England. But it, but then, so all of these squads are going to have good players. And this is, this is back to the Exeter point. Exeter yeah. B team is going to be a, good, a bloody good team because they are a sensational squad. But there is a, a one A and one B. This this is a mix. This is, you've got players who'd be in there, but if you throw in, uh, well, just just take bigger and narrow Vorum. Those two make that backline definitely stronger. Yeah. You, well, there's no 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 two ways about that. Yeah, and and having like um, so Saints when you've got Ludlam and Harrison in the back row. They're just so much more abrasive. Mm. But when you've only got one of them who's got to do more of the carrying work, they're just missing something. Yeah. Uh, did Naravoro come on? For a few. Yeah, but didn't really didn't really do very much. Hmm. 
Oh well, disappointing. Yeah. Uh, Sale battered Bristol. Yeah, very good Re- performance by Sale. Real beat down this one. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was good because they had to execute and uh, um, and they did. Not really much to report home about uh, Bristol though. I mean, yeah, good. Uh, Tip Eaton had a very 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 tough game. Um, I, I want to see more of him though. I, I hope you know. I hope this isn't just like a one-off. He gets a bit more um, a bit more game time because uh, he's a pretty tough introduction that one. Yeah, he's he's, he's a backup. He'll, 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 he will have other chances. Bristol actually, some of their academy guys look. Re- Luke Dunn. Uh, Luke, was it Luke Dunn? I can't remember the the, the blind side. For, for a young lad to come in first Premiership start. Oh, he put it about a bit. It was. Um, I mean, but but we learned nothing about this game. The best part of well, we learned that so, Tom, the be- we learned the what Tom, Tom Curry and Ben Curry are lethal in a combo. Yes, well, yeah. true. Albeit, um, albeit they're against a Bristol second team. So yeah, Dun, Dun who who did very well, he ran into the two Curries at one point and oh, got yeah. absolutely smashed. Yeah, he did get smashed. But the best bit about uh, Sale v Bristol was. Uh, Cock of E Diamond pregame. It's great. Lovely little ding dong. Yeah, absolutely. And again. Yeah. And getting some uh, some interesting insight in out of him as well, Tim. Yeah, there was one bit that didn't go out because it because um it was a short build up. So I, I did the interviews with both the directors it, of rugby. Was it your intensely personal insults which which I did? Oh yeah, that, that was a bit that got cut. But they and then and then they just condensed the two interviews into one and took a couple of questions from Pat Lamb and a couple of answers from Steve Diamond. So there there was one that they didn't have time for, which was great. Which I basically was Diamond's got me uh, got me a good and it was very good. It was very funny. Um, uh, I said uh, right, well you leapfrog you leapfrogged wasps in the league with a win. You got the chance to do that again with Bristol today. Just in the context of the whole season, how pivotal do you think today is for top two? Dimes said, he's very, uh, what I like about him is he's really self-deprecating. Um, he said, uh, well, Tim, you know me, I'm, I'm not a very educated man. But I think when you're in third and you're playing the team in second, it's quite important for top two. <laughs> <laughs> and all Dimes. I could hear in my ear was everybody laughing in the gantry. <laughs> I bet that really helps your concentration. Oh, no, I, I was laughing as well. It's very funny. <laughs> but the best bit was the way he dealt with the whole 180-minute player welfare limit. Um, and, and when I said, you know, Denny Solomon has only got 37 minutes um, before he's up to 100. Dimes just interrupted me straight away and said, Tim, 37 minutes and 28 seconds. And that was it. <laughs> End of interview. He's, he's, a, he's a card. He's a real character. Knows his stuff, doesn't he? Knows his stuff. Yeah, and and he will be much happier sat here today than he was a week ago. With after two back to back losses, and now two back to back wins, um, he'll, he'll be a lot more comfortable. And, and, and the big and difference, team. AJ McGinty, I think though, Sim- I think it's as yeah. simple as him. Told you, AJ is magic. Uh, yeah. he has the only weakness he has is his literal weakness, I guess. Um, <laughs> He's just not as strong or as big as uh, Rob Dupree. Not not many fly halves are, and also he's got a pretty. He's too brave for his own good. So like you see him making tackles in La Rochelle against um, what, who the hell was the guy he tackled? The the enormous prop. 
And then the shoulder goes. Weenie Antonio. No, the other enormous one. David, David. Can't remember his name though. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe if he learned to just preserve himself a little bit more, he, we, we would see a little bit more game time out of him, which is exactly what he needs. Because even though uh, he has been at sale for God knows how long now, I don't think he's truly appreciated by the wider league exactly how good he is. And I think he is. That's good. Um, one game that we've not covered yet. Oh, yeah. Was probably the second best game of the weekend beside, yeah. behind the Bath Wasps game. And Le- yeah, Gloucester wet Leicester. And the first half might have actually been the worst half of rugby in its entirety in the whole weekend because the first half was just the Ollie Thorley show, it was just a procession of uh, openings created by Dennis Cipriani, finished off by Ollie Thorley. It was so unbelievably one sided. Yeah, and and half. and that that forty minutes of rugby knocked you out of the fancy rugby draft playoffs because <laughs> Ollie Thorley got me through on points difference. It did. I'm uh, I'm not bitter. I'm just I'm just disappointed that the season has finished like this. Yeah, with, um, with kind of half filled squads. Um, seeing seeing games like that, but anyway, do, you do know you do know JB. I'm against you this weekend in the semi final. I have no players. I mean, unless, I don't know. Maybe they'll start. I doubt it, though. Um, you've got my boy, AJ, which is annoying. I don't know. I, I, I was talking to Phil about this last night before you joined us for beer. I do not know how this happened. I can't imagine a scenario where I would let AJ McGinty go from my team. I can't, I just can't remember doing it. You know, if you asked me who my two fly halves were, and I said AJ and Rob Dupree, I don't know how it's happened. But he only came back fit during lockdown after the season would have been finished. Ah, maybe that's, that's what we were debating maybe. last night. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Three years. Three years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah the, the but, first half of this was just unbelievably one-sided. Yeah. Um, what What was fascinating was the second half. It, it all hinged on two replacements. Yeah, the main well, one, the main one being Cipriani going off for Gloucester, but George Ford coming on for Leicester and. We've talked already about the how influential those two men are for their side, but never more was it magnified than when one goes off and one comes on, and mm. the game was just a t- the total inverse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this sort of proves my point about I mean, this Leicester team. I'm looking at the um, looking at it on the Ultimate Rugby app here. Number six, right? Number six for Leicester, not applicable. I don't know if it's a bit his name or what. Uh, when have you ever seen Tom, that? Tom Smith, the captain, 19-year-old kid, I think. I mean, the, what I really hate about it is I have no doubt that some of these lads in here will can and will do a bloody good job for Leicester Tigers, given the right opportunity. And it's not the right opportunity. And then in the second half, you've just given them a spine of senior players, Tolafua. Tolafua was good. Then all of a sudden, like the confidence com- like comes flooding back. They start doing things which they weren't in the first half. You can hear the noise. You, you, you can hear them bouncing off each other. I'll give you an example. In in defence, they hit the deck back back on their feet, uh, guarding the ruck. In the first half, they just weren't doing that. So you need to give these lads uh, something, a little something to hold on to. Now back to the first and seconds versus one A one B argument. In my mind. 
if Leicester Tigers want to know something about, about these kids, don't just put them out as a bunch of kids. Split your team 50-50, 1A, 1B, mix these kids in, find out who can, who can mix it with the senior players and who can't. That, that's, what, that's what they should be doing. I still don't think it's fair that they put these lads out like this. Uh, because the game really was over and done with by by half time, and actually, you know, if it wasn't for the fortitude of some of these lads here and George Ford, um, you know, they would have got absolutely hammered. But the coaches just sent them out to lose. Simple so, as that. So I actually, having criticised Northampton for their one A one B before and splitting their squad in half and then propping up with second teamers and academy players. I, it is right for Leicester to do it because Leicester are not competing for top four. Leicester are not competing for top six. Leicester are not competing for anything. In, under normal circumstances, Leicester would be getting relegated. So they can experiment and they've got to see their players. But like you say, if you play entirely um, reserve second team, who a lot of guys who are literally just come into the squad in the past few weeks, you're not going to learn anything about them. You're not going to learn how they fit into the structures because there are no structures until you bring the guys like Ford and Taufua. And I, I, I thought, as, as much as Cipriani was a huge loss to Gloucester, those two were such a huge boost for Leicester. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I'd love to know the thought process behind Leicester Tigers, because it's a, it just seems like a mess. Well, uh, he, the, he, well, I, I would imagine the thought process is, uh, this season's done. Um, when we, we don't even think we're going to get top eight and get a, a, a European spot in a revised European tournament for next year. So, and we've got seven outstanding players that are coming in to the country, Van Vyck and Moroni and Nandolo, I know has played, and, and, and a bunch of others. I can't remember now. Brink. Murray Murray Valu. There you go. There's another one. You've got a bunch of players that there for next season. Um, so let's just see, let's really put a, a really good crop of youngsters under the microscope and see what we learn about them. But I guess that would be, be my point. You don't learn anything about them when you put them all together. You only learn things about them when you mix them in with the senior lads. I hear that, what you're that... saying, but I, I think, I think they, would, they would look at Zach Henry, for example, and go, there, there's our backup for George Ford. But wouldn't yeah. you love to see Zach Henry playing with the first team so you really know if he's, he's the backup for George Ford? He, he did have a he did have a good game, Zach Henry. Yeah, he looks actually really, really quite good. I, I, I like a lot of things. I like the, a lot of the things. A lot of the things that he does. I particularly like the way the ball comes out of his hands. Mm. So well done, Gloucester. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Particularly for that, and well, well done, Ollie Thorley, and well done, Tim, Tim Cocker, uh, for beating me in fantasy rugby draft. Hmm. Well, well, only on points difference. It's uh, incredibly competitive. It's, it's like the Premiership. There's there's one or two teams just at the bottom, never in with a sniff. But everybody else, any one of eight teams could have gone through. It's mm. good. Yeah, good. Uh, I look forward to next got, season. Yeah, I've just got to take. I've just got to take it on and uh, try and do JB this weekend. Fingers right, crossed. Only players. Uh, right. Uh, let's have a bit of a conversation. <laughs> it's just a little segment we need some yeah. music a bit of a conversation go on then uh, so on Twitter there has been a phenomena of jobs rugby jobs being pushed around by a Twitter account not pushed around um, advertised 
Okay. And one of these jobs, in fact, several of these jobs are, um, well, are actual for playing positions. So, for instance, um, uh, there is a, a advertisement for a premiership team looking for a loose head prop as, prop as cover. There's one for the top four, uh, pro 14. There was one for super rugby. Um, and a lot of people have been negative about this. And I understand why. I, understand, I do understand why. But I just wondered what your view was. Do you think it's a little bit tin pot to be having rugby jobs advertised via Twitter by what is effectively a recruitment agency? Or do you think it's a, it's a welcome step? So player positions. Yes. So I'm, I'm genuinely surprised because I would think you would have um, a scout or a series of scouts who would be doing that based on specific parameters that you're looking for rather than just, well, everyone sending your CV. So that that's that's the bit that surprises me. Well, well, hold hold on. I've just I've just looked at the Twitter account you're talking about. It isn't that a Premiership club has gone to this Twitter account and said, "Please, can you advertise our our thing?" For example, the job they've just put up for World Rugby head of match officials. All they've yeah. done is post a link to the World Rugby page. Uh, well, look, all I know is that that company has a CEO. You can find him on LinkedIn. I mean, there's, in my view, well, I'll come to my view in a second. Um, so, I, I, look, I don't know what the business model is or you know, ex- exactly how the jobs get, get there, whether it's just a reposting or it's something else. But um, they are there and they are in the public domain and people you know, particularly... Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give him give him a shout out because it because he's because he's worth a follow on Twitter and anything to do with player development. For instance, it's the it's the view of Alex Shaw, um, who is also head of recruitment at Ealing, that it's just not not a good look. He's not alone. There's another guy that I know who is incredibly senior in in the world, world of rugby who also thinks it thinks it's Tim Pot. And I just think it's quite an interesting discussion to have as to. Is this Tim Port or is this the way forward? It, it, it doesn't actually say what premiership club it is, does it? No, that no. makes but that they would want a commission from it. Though. So send in your CV and if you match up, we'll give you a commission. Yeah, I, I, I personally do think it looks a bit Tim Pot. And it, it looks like you've either, you either don't have a scouting network or you don't trust your scouting network. And that, that's what, in my head, makes it look a, a little bit Tim Pot. I... Well, the, 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 okay, and the email that the guy has supplied, please forward your CV and footage to, and the email address, I've just gone to the website of the email address, and the website doesn't exist. Oh, okay. So I don't know, I don't know if this might not actually just be someone that's trying to be an agent. The Russian bots. No, we're just trying to be an agent. Yeah. And, and is trying to make it look like a premiership club have come direct to them to, to find a prop. Which so maybe, would explain which which would explain why it looks Tim Pot. So maybe well, it is actually Tim Pot. I think it yeah. actually I think it actually is Tim Pot, but isn't necessarily a reflection on any Premiership rugby club. Well, I think it's interesting, okay, because first of all, I see no problem at all with advertising your jobs. I mean, if you've got a need and you want to advertise it, I do, I can't see why there is a problem with having a scouting network and advertising at the same time. I mean, why is that an issue? And also say this, like, scouts are good. But I don't know if I trust them. Um, I don't know if I trust them all the time. So, 
yeah, let's think about things that um, you know, uh, uh, someone who someone in rugby knows about. So, uh, you know, a second row, a second row with with an exper- experienced second row who's now turned his hand to scouting might know an awful lot about the lineout, but probably knows nothing about scrimmaging or very little about backs backs play. Uh, you know, how many scouts would you need to do the whole championship, all the Pro Four team below the championship, and then once you divide it into you know, categories of uh, props or second rows or back rows and all the specialists that they have to do. Rugby is a complex game. I'm not entirely sure it's easy. It's that easy to e- easy to scout. So if you've got another avenue to generate play, um, player leads, you should absolutely take it. And if there's a lad out there who really backs himself and now he knows that the opportunity exists, give him the opportunity to send in his CV and send, send in his video. Yeah, so... There's, I think there's some points in that, but why would they not just employ you? You you can play yep. every single position. That, I mean, that's a great. You have you have detailed inside knowledge of one through to fifteen. I know one through to twenty three. That's true. True. I no, understand th- what you're saying. I think this is a slightly. I'm just looking. The more I look at it, and I go, anyone that's got the experience that this Twitter account that's prompted this conversation. Anyone that's actually got the experience that they're saying is necessary, Pro 14, Premiership, Super Rugby or Top 14, they don't need a Twitter account. This, this, is, this is someone on a Twitter account trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah. You this, need- this is not a Premiership club needing yeah. a Twitter account to find players. It's the principle which I found, found, found interesting, that people would think it is Tim Pot to advertise your jobs. And I, don't, I, don't think- well, I don't think anyone is advertising their job. No, no, no. But it's the principle, isn't it? That's why I want to discuss. It's the principle that for some reason, the only way to get into Premiership Club is through a network of gatekeeper scouts um, who then funnel information back. And I, and I think that that's absolutely ridiculous. I think scouts is a relatively new phenomenon and I don't think it's widespread. I know um, in the case of... Um, well, I know in the case of my brother, he had a chat with Rob Baxter at one point about uh, joining Exeter. Mm. And... Um, and Rob Baxter knew all about him, had watched his game tape, and um, they, they just didn't need his, his particular style of second row at the moment because they already had a couple very much like that. They needed that they had their fill of tight headlocks, and they needed a, a loose headlock. <laughs> so, but so, but Rob Baxter, for example, he, he knows all these people. He, he'll all the people they sign from the championship, and all these young Australians they sign. He'll have had a he'll have. He'll have watched, him and Ali Hifa will have watched all the game tape. I'm sure that there is a very comprehensive process to watch the players that you're interested in, get a list of all the things that they're, that they're good at. And by the time, by the time it comes, sorry, by the time you sign them, you know everything about them. But I think the broader issue is there'll be a lot of lads that you don't know about because maybe one day when your scout was there, they weren't playing or maybe your scout got it wrong or maybe they had a bad game. You know, so I think it's a mixture of things, isn't it? If you if you were just just to get on their radar by sending in uh, a bit of footage and your name, maybe you don't make it this time. But maybe you're on their radar for when the scout does show up for next time, or you're on a match ma- um, match report or, or, or some such thing. So actually, I'd, I'd quite like Premiership clubs to advertise what they need a little bit more frequently. And I understand why agents and scouts want to be the gatekeepers. But I, I don't see why um, why they can't be confident enough in their own ability not to be worried about you know advertising their jobs. But I, I actually think um, so. 
I'm, I still think this does look a little bit tin pot, just in terms of the, the way it's set up. And, and actually the principle I, I do have a little issue with, but the I don't have an issue with um, challenging the authority of scouts. And if, if you look back and if you've ever read or even watched the film on Moneyball, yeah. that, that's the whole principle around it, that scouts miss things or they are biased and they're biased to people of particular ages or people who have a particular look um, who are tall and handsome rather than who have an ungainly technique. And so they do miss things. And so if you can find a way of um, enhancing or supplementing your scouting position or all doing something totally different, then you should explore it. How else did PSBs get so many international caps? <laughs> he just looks incredible. Yeah. Precisely. Um, I guess they were looking for the South African version of uh, Parise. They found him. <laughs> I was like that. Yeah, just in, in terms of athletic uh, appearance, aesthetics, rather than uh, yeah. performance. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, well, we, we'll see if it continues. Yeah, we will. Well, we don't actually know if it's real at this point. I suspect it is. I don't think. I it don't is. know. I'm. I'm. I am looking at it at the moment. Um, and yeah. what, what? Whatever it is, it's riled up a lot of people. Yeah. Within, and I think that's fascinating. And that's the thing which I find fascinating. What's the issue? Uh, I, well, we've already discussed that, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, you can have both things. You, you, you can have a great network of scouts. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but you never know. You might miss something. Yeah, but JB, just employ you. If any premiership club wants detailed knowledge of every single position on the rugby pitch and more, employ JB. Exactly right. You're exactly right, mate. Right, let's rattle through the fixtures coming up this weekend. No, no midweek games. This is outrageous. Uh, no. So <laughs> I, I, I could do with the rest, actually. I've <laughs> watched so much. I've watched pretty much every game live as well. And the ones I've not watched, like I've gone back and watched them as live on, on BT Sport. All right, so we've got Worcester v Bristol on Friday. I uh, say Bristol go fully loaded and win. Yes, I agree with that. Agreed. Northampton v Exeter. I think Northampton will go fully loaded. Exeter will go second team or change a lot. I still think Exeter will nudge it. I tend to agree. Yeah, agreed. Saturday, Saracens v Wasps is the early kickoff. Saracens. I can't see past Saracens. I will be fingers crossed for Wasps. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this ride. Uh, depends what Saracens put out. Maybe Saracens. Maybe they're going to ease off off a bit now. Maybe Europe. Maybe European Cups on the horizon a little bit more. That's two weeks from this weekend. So, what would you do if you were two weeks out? I think. I reckon they might. They played their full first team this weekend, just gone. I think they might make a few changes and then have a big, big game bef- the week before Europe. Yeah, and then rest everyone. Well, actually, Saracens has been, they have been doing more of a 1A, 1B. Because, like, Owen Farrell and Mako weren't playing, for example. Yeah. They, they are, they're, they're rotating. So I, th- I think they'll continue to do that. They'll continue to mix it up a little bit. Um, and probably still win, even with, even with if they pick half of their best players, they'll probably win. Yeah, 
I'm going to jump to Leicester v Sale. Sale will win away. Yes. Sale uh, away. Gloucester v London Irish. Gloucester will win at home. Yeah. That might be quite an interesting game, but yes, Gloucester will win. Yeah. Uh, a Quinns v Bath. That's that's the 2pm kickoff, and that's a really interesting one. So Quinns have to win, or they've got zero hope. Bath have to win. How, kind of get one. Well, no, I don't think they have to win, but they're it's not far off. Yeah, you you got to target five games left. You got to target wins in all of them. Uh, but Bath don't mathematically need that, but you you've got to be winning. Quinns at home. They've won both their home games. They beat Sale and they beat Northampton. Will they yeah. beat Bath? Quinns will go full strength, I think. Yeah, both will be full strength. I quite fancy watching Bath go full strength and pounding Quinns in, into dust. <laughs> I don't think... I think Quinns might have something to say about that. Mm. Give me Bath. I sound very negative on Harlequins. At the I've, I, I just, I, I'm just thinking they, 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 did not, they, they edged out Sale at home. They are good at home, to be fair to them. They're, they are masters of making you think they're not very good. And then yeah. you. That, 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 there's going to be a couple of points in that either way. I'll go for... I'll just obviously go for a home win. Home win, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take Bath. I think Bath will do them. A home win would make the table very, very interesting. Wouldn't it, Joe? Oh. Uh, and then um, there's no game, no premiership games on Sunday, but there is a Edinburgh v Ulster is an evening kickoff on Saturday evening. You can watch your pride, Ulsterman Phil. Definitely Ulster. Give me Ulster all the yeah. way. And then the the, the the Friday night one, seven thirty-five kickoff, Leinster v Munster. That Leinster with a, uh, Len, Leinster with an extra day's preparation and a whole lot of a better squad will win that one. But that'll be tasty. It'll be, it will be a very good game. That. But give me Lance, give me Lanster. We are done. Um, well done. Right, Phil, you've got probably get up in about four hours' time for work, haven't you? So I'm on a train in. I've got to get up for a train in five hours' time. All right, bugger off. <laughs> you true psychopath. All right, he's at JP Moore. I'm at Cocker. Phil's lurking. He'll get in touch with you if he wants to. Uh, let the boys play. Wonderful. Bye bye. Nice one. Bye. Good work. Bye. Take it easy. I've got to go, boys. I'm on- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.